Welcome everyone to a special live edition which has been created to support London Fashion Week. For those of you who are not aware, London Fashion Week occurs twice a year, every February and every September. In response to the COVID crisis, this year's format to the year's shows and schedules are a little different. Excitingly, London will be the first fashion capital to experiment with blending physical and digital shows. And I hope this podcast will aim to support the pressures that come throughout Fashion Week. For those of you who don't know, Fashion Week can bring a host of fantastic opportunities for up and coming models and designers, but it does also bring a lot of sleepless nights, increased pressures to remain a certain size, a lot of rejection, and very poor nutrition. And due to this, mental health of young models and designers do suffer. And for many of you who are listening who might not be in the fashion industry, but are returning in September to your high pressured work jobs, back to day to day life, these pressures still coexist. And many of you will be having a lot of stress, again, poor sleep, and probably poor nutrition. So this special series around London Fashion Week aims to bring highlights from our Be Well Collective Summit of sharing inspiring talks from leaders and shakers in the industry, as well as renowned experts covering social comparison, meditation, and movement. Live Well, Be Well opens up its resources to everybody whether you're in the fashion industry or not, in the aim to help support your physical and mental well-being. I am so excited to share this live episode with you all from the Live Well, Be Well Summit. Meditation has always been a huge focus over at the Be Well Collective. And for many of us, just the word meditation can feel daunting. Yet I hope when you listen to this, you all feel so inspired from Cornelius, who speaks about his own personal experience into finding meditation and how ultimately it actually saved his life. And just to give you a little bit of a heads up, towards the end of this episode, there is a five minute meditation, which I highly encourage you all to take part in. Even if you're listening, it's just as powerful as being at the live event. But if you are driving or, I don't know, in a busy schedule, please do leave it until you have time to fully engage in the meditation practice. But I hope you all really enjoy it and find it as inspiring as I did. I really want to invite on stage Cornelius, who has actually hosted one of our workshops before. And this is the reason why I wanted to bring you here today, because meditation at the BWAC Collective is, and, and breathing has always been a big part and a big panel of what we work with. But from attending your workshop at A Place to Hill in Holland Park, where we had 30 models all come and listen to Cornelius speak, you had that whole room transformed and fixated on you. Um, including myself and the power of breath work and the power of mindfulness and all of this put together. I don't think, I think we hear it a lot, but we don't actually always really acknowledge why it's needed. And it's during London Fashion Week when you kind of forget to breathe, or I would forget to breathe, that this can be 
really important and also just taking that time for yourself. I would love for you to share your knowledge and your wisdom with everyone. He is going to do a little bit of a meditation halfway through. So just for you all to prepare, put your phones down and take a moment to really engage because he is 23 years experience in this and I feel completely privileged to have you here to share your expertise. So I'll talk a little bit about my journey with meditation and, and why I got into it and then we'll do a meditative practice. If you're not used to meditating, don't worry, kind of start from the beginning. It's a lot easier than most people think. Lots of people think you have to kind of control your thoughts or stop your thoughts and therefore they think they can't meditate. So that's the first myth of meditation busted. You don't need to control or stop your thoughts. So uh, why I got into meditation, I suffered with something from 15 years old called treatment-resistant depression and anxiety, which kind of is what it says on the tin. Standard treatments for it don't work. I tried uh, SSRIs, which is the main kind of go-to um, medication. I tried all of the drugs in this class. They, they, they had no effect uh, on me. I tried some of the older types of medication. I tried some medications that have a, an off-label use of, of uh, treating depression, and, and none of these worked. While we were going through that kind of journey, back in the time when I suffered from this in the uh, kind of uh, mid-90s, therapy wasn't a jump to solution. Uh, so while we were going through looking at all of these different medications, I was getting worse and worse and worse. And by the time they tried therapy... That also was not effective, largely because I'd got to the point where I was in such a state of distress and depression that my thinking was so disordered, I was so agitated that I couldn't actually sit and go through standard kind of psychotherapy or CBT. Some things worked a little bit, but they didn't have enough of an effect to to, to stop me feeling such a profound state of um, depression. This went on for years, so I ended up spending around 10 years out of work not getting on with my life. One of the things people don't realize about depression is, is the impact it has as, as you kind of live through your life with it. So, you know, some people have depression for six months or nine months, and that has a profound effect on their life. But if you've had it for weeks, start turning into months, start turning into years, you lose your life, you know? You don't get into relationships, you don't have a career, you don't get on with anything. What happens is, is you just struggle with symptoms. So most of my day was spent just barely functioning. You know, I say all I used to do was eat and sleep, and I didn't even do those very well. So I used to, I got to the point where I was having profound nightmares, reoccurring nightmares every evening. I would sleep around four to five hours uh, each evening. And then I would wake up and I would be crying and in a state of distress. Then I would spend the rest of my day managing my mind or trying uh, not to completely um, lose it. I would often find that I would go and sit outside the psychiatric ward Um, of the local hospital, because I felt if I was close, if I was going to lose my mind, I was at least close to somewhere where people could sedate me. So, I mean, I was in a bad state. So nothing had worked. I then started trying more holistic ways of dealing with uh, depression and anxiety. And uh, yes, nutrition works and all sorts of other holistic ways of looking at things and more alternative ways of of, of treating depression as opposed to medication and therapy do work. But the thing about depression and anxiety is that you often will not implement those things because you're in such a bad state. If you're feeling very, very low, you're much less likely to eat healthy. You're much less likely to exercise. You're much less likely to take all the steps um, that you need to take in order to get well. One of the things that I started to explore was meditation. I read a book. It was a Buddhist pamphlet, and it said the goal of meditation is freedom from suffering. And freedom from suffering was obviously something I was in the market for. So so I started going to these weekend courses and week-long courses, and, and, and they taught 
you know, basic techniques, but these didn't really touch the sides of, of, of the, the kind of depression that I had. They, they, again, were not effective. So I started going to India to study a meditation at its root with uh, some of the more profound teachers looking at the very basic, uh, the, the, the very comprehensive core texts of meditation that are around 5,000 years old. What people think of these kind of teachings before they approach them is that perhaps they're very superstition and belief-based and perhaps they're very religious. They're often given as part of a kind of religion or, or a philosophy. But actually what you find when you look at these core teachings is, is a profound set of teachings about your mind. And if you understand how your mind works, then this in itself, if you start to know who you are and how your mind functions, it's cur curative for depression and anxiety, at least I found in my case. And for thousands of years, people have found that these ways of understanding our mind, if we can know how the mind works, then we can find freedom from suffering. So I stumbled across a teacher who very quickly explained to me one profound realization that everyone needs to have. He listened to my story, listened to everything I've been through. I'm so, 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 so sorry. It's been suffering from this profound mistake, this profound misunderstanding that you've had about your mind. And he said, this is the cause of all your problems. So I said, well, what is it? And he said, you think you are your thoughts. You think you are your thoughts. You know? And I kind of sat and thought very quickly and said, well, yeah, you know, I am, I am my thoughts. That's who I am. He said, no, you're what's watching your thoughts. Your thoughts are coming and going. You know, yesterday's thoughts are gone. Tomorrow's thoughts haven't even arisen. And as you sit here now, the thoughts that you experience, they arise before you and they disappear. You know, you're aware. And this is the cornerstone of your mind, this experience of being aware. It's so subtle. It's so, it's so quiet. You know, and our, our thoughts are so noisy and they create such an impact in the mind that we often lose sight of this underlying nature of the mind, which is this very simple awareness. And we get caught up in our thoughts. So he said, don't believe everything you think, you know, start becoming more, uh, developing more of a sense of discrimination in your, in your mind and in your thinking. And for a few people, this has a dramatic impact. You know, they call it a sudden and immediate awakening into how the mind functions. And I was one of those people. So as I walked out of uh, that, that, that conversation, I walked out into the street and I realized that my mind was just this experience of being conscious and that my thoughts were just conditioned patterns, responses arising in the mind. Around the age of 18 months, you start to develop thought. You think in a particular language, don't you? All the things you think about are given to you by your parents and your culture. And I began to experience my mind as just this kind of washing machine of information. And all of a sudden, I could see that I didn't have to take it seriously. You know? So one of the ways you can begin to understand this yourself is through meditation. So we'll do a short meditation practice. Lots of people think meditation is just about focusing on your breath. It's much, much more than that. So get yourself nice and comfortable. And phones on airplane mode. Otherwise, we get a chorus of we get a chorus of. I'm usually the worst for keeping my phone on. So okay, and if you're not used to meditating or you think I'm not interested in meditation, it's just five minutes of your life. So don't worry. Okay. So just getting yourself nice and comfortable in in your chair. There's no particular way of sitting. And just closing your eyes gently. Just noticing how your body's breathing. Air's moving in and moving out. We often have this uh, idea that we make our breath happen, but as we sit and watch, we notice that breath happens all by itself. Your body is actually functioning all by itself. Bringing your attention to the area of the nose, the air moving in through the nose and out through the nose. 
Just feeling the sensation of the air on the nose. As you draw your attention to the sensation of the breath, your mind will distract you and take your attention back onto your thoughts. Our minds learnt to become obsessed with our thinking. It's an evolutionary process, a very successful one that enables us to problem solve, navigate our way through life. But it's also something that's cause of a lot of our problems, a victim of our own success. So we have to take time just to draw our attention away from our thoughts and just train the mind on to something else. In this case, the breath, the air moving in and moving out. So as soon as you become distracted, it doesn't matter what you've been distracted by or how long you've been distracted. Just as soon as you realize your attention's moved away from the breath, simply return it back to the breath. As you focus on the breath, you can notice how sensitive your mind is. Your mind's reacting to every single sound, every single sensation, every thought, every emotion. Your mind's highly reactive. There's some sounds that it likes to hear, maybe the sound of birds or something pleasant, and then there's other sounds, maybe the sound of traffic that mind doesn't like and it chases after what it likes and tries to resist what it doesn't it's the same with sensations in the body pleasurable sensations and painful sensations pleasure is chased and pain is avoided the same with thoughts some thoughts and emotions are welcomed and others are resisted what we don't realize is, is it's not the things that we experience that are causing our problems, but our reactions to them. And so in meditation, we're just easing away from the reactions of the mind, not trying to get rid of them or control them, but just removing the value that we're placing in the content of these judgments and assessments. As you sit and as you breathe. Drawing the attention back to the breath. Feeling the sensation of the air on the nose. Drawing the value that we're placing on our thoughts away. So that we get to the point where we're just allowing thoughts to move through the mind. Like clouds move through sky. So you're not the least bit interested in what you're thinking, your judgments, your assessments. Instead, just watching the breath, the air moving in, moving out. Now just noticing how you're aware. You overlook this all the time. You become very complacent with our own consciousness. It's really the foundation of our mind. If we're not conscious, then we don't exist. If thought stops, you're still there to report the absence of it, but not consciousness. So really the 
deepest work of meditation is to know our mind. To know the cornerstone of our mind, the foundation of our mind. And we do this very simply just by noticing how you're aware of the sound of my voice. You're aware of the sensations in the body. Something about your mind is acutely aware. You're not doing anything to be aware. It's effortless. While your thoughts trying to pick and choose what it wants and what it doesn't, the consciousness of your mind is doing nothing of the sort. It's unconditionally illuminating every sound, every sensation, every ache, every pain, every pleasant emotion, every unpleasant emotion. Something about your mind isn't the least bit interested in removing some aspects of your experience and chasing after others. We ought to get to know this part of ourselves. We can also notice this consciousness is immutable. It's not changing. It's just aware. It just has this quality of being aware. No emotion, no thought really affects it. Very important discovery. This part of our mind that is beyond being affected by emotion, by thoughts, by experiences, by our past, by our future. very important to become familiar with this part of ourselves. Very, very simple experience of being aware. Not looking for fireworks or some kind of transcendental experience, simply the moment-to-moment awareness of the mind. And the more you familiarize yourself with this place, the more you remove the rule of thought over your mind, the more you begin to discriminate and what you want to give your attention and value and what you do not. The more you abide is this very simple awareness. The more and more free your mind becomes. All from just sitting, breathing, looking at the mind. There's no rush. In your own time, you can slowly open your eyes, moving your fingers and your toes. And just stay with the experience of being aware. Notice how you're aware of the sound of my voice, the colors around you, thoughts in your mind. Stay with that simple experience of being aware. As I said, it's very, very simple. You might not think it's very profound initially. But the more when you're walking through your life, when you're moving through your life, when you get five minutes, two minutes, just to come back to the experience of being aware and free yourself from the obsession with the judgments and assessments that you have about what's happening around you, the more you liberate yourself from your own thinking. And this is what you're suffering from. You know, you're suffering from your own thoughts and your own reactions. It's an incredibly empowering thing to realize that because you're no longer a victim. You can start to navigate your way through things. You can have bad experiences happen and not get so entrenched in your responses to them. For me, it meant that 
this kind of 10 years of a devastated life and the narrative I'd built up around that and how damaged I was and how, you know, even that was reinforced with all, by all the doctors around me and all of the experiences I was having. When I just let go of the obsession with that narrative in my mind about my life and my past and who I was, when I realized it was just a story, you know, this is when you start to find freedom, you know. And as I was saying at the end of the meditation, you know, the second most profound thing you can understand other than you're not your thoughts is that the deepest part of your mind or what really makes you you this conscious experience what really makes you human and alive it's not affected by anything that's coming and going whatever you think your past has done to you and how damaged it's left you when you examine your mind experientially you find that it's had no effect you know your mind is much stronger than you think so the solution is always to develop self-knowledge when you have self-knowledge when you know how your mind works your whole experience of life changes i hope you found that episode as powerful as i did because i remember listening to cornelius in that room and the whole room was transfixed on what he was saying and hopefully it allows meditation to feel that little less daunting and a bit more approachable. If you'd like to follow Cornelius on social media, I'd love to give a shout out to his personal Instagram um, where you can DM him or find out much more about him. His Instagram handle is at Cornelius underscore non-duality. And if you did enjoy this episode, please do subscribe, share it with friends and leave a five-star rating as it helps the podcast become much more widely known. And until next week, please live well and be well. Before you go, I have something new to tell you about. There's brand new bonus content waiting for you with every new guest I speak to. These are exclusively for my inner circle of Apple subscribers. To listen now, head to the Live Well, Be Well show page on Apple Podcasts, where you can activate your free trial and you can enjoy the podcast without adverts.